This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Tony Gable talks about Fatima, the messages, promises, and First Saturday devotions. Why did Our Lady show the children of Fatima her heart surrounded by thorns? What is hell like? Well, let's find out. Tony is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marenzer. We have with us Tony Gable. Now, I don't know Mr. Tony Gable, so this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so uh, I have in front of me um, a little bio here. And it says, uh, Tony's a graduate of Fort Hayes State University and Notre Dame Law School. So right now I'm feeling pretty small. Um, he's currently an associate professor of business law at Fort Hayes State University. He's married to Christine, and they have two sons. Tony's been a volunteer assistant scoutmaster for the Boy Scouts. Hey, we finally have something in common. I'm not feeling so small now. Um, he's currently studying to be a permanent deacon for the Diocese of Salina. Tony and his family are members of Immaculate Heart of Mary in Hayes. Wow. Tony, it is so good to meet you, sir. Oh, good to meet you as well. Well, Tony, it is so great to have you in here. And, and also, when I, when I was reading, reading your bio and reading that stuff, and then just like, oh, man, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, wait, he's talking about Fatima? This is this is fantastic. I so hearing that you're going to talk about Fatima, how did you become interested in Fatima and the messages about Fatima? I've I've always been I, I don't know a ton about Fatima. I know the message. I, you know, I've watched the movie, but more than just watch the movie, you know, books are always better than a movie. So always go read about it. Oh yes. But you I, I want to hear from you. You tell me, yeah, how did you get interested in it and the message what what do you got for us? Well, that's a, that's a good question to start with. How did I become interested in it? And um, I have to probably think back to, to my childhood on that. My mother, uh, Mary Ann, was interested in Fatima as well. And so that's probably where I received my first introduction into the topic and the idea of the first Saturdays. I didn't really know much about it then. But one of the things that did stick in my mind was the fact that the first apparition, and we'll talk about those here today as well, but the very first apparition was on May 13th of 1917, and May 13th sticks out to me because that is my birthday. And so, okay. you know, it's just like if you're born on the 4th of July or some other major event that sort of sticks with you in your mind, uh, this one did as well for me. And uh, I really started digging into Fatima a few years ago. And over the years, I'd read different things about it. But uh, a few years back, I started reading more and more about it in detail. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, thing that has happened in the church. And uh, I don't think many people really know all the details about it. When I've talked with uh, other church-going folks, they may know a little bit about it, uh, but they don't know all the details that are associated with it. And in particular, uh, something that I think is really important is the, the first Saturday's devotion that, that comes from from the, the, uh, the Fatima apparitions. Okay. So the first Saturday's devotion, do you want to – actually, maybe before we get to the first Saturday's devotion, let, let's hit this. Um, you know, many people know something about the apparitions, but also many people don't. So for those who don't or for maybe, maybe even um, non-Catholics – who don't know because there are non-Catholics who listen to this. Can you tell us what happened at Fatima and when did it happen? So can you maybe give us some of that background information so that people, so if anybody who's listened are like, I am totally lost right now, what's going on? 
Right. I, that's, that's, in fact, a, a good place to start as well. So Fatima happened, of course, last century, 20th century. And uh, the apparitions all took place in, in Portugal, uh, in fact, in the town of Fatima, Portugal. That's where we get the name Fatima, and that's why we call them the Fatima apparitions. So the apparitions first began, actually, with um, uh, the, the, the three children who were the seers, um, Jacinta, Francisco, and, and Lucia. And by the way, Jacinta and Francisco are now, in fact, saints in the church. Uh, they, were, uh, they were canonized on May 13th of 2017 by Pope Francis. So it, when we're looking at an apparition and we're looking at what has happened, when three of the, two of the three seers have now been you know, named saints in the church, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. So they began actually in 1916 when um, the three children were met with essentially uh, an angel. In fact, it was the angel, of, the guardian angel of Portugal, the angel of peace. And uh, the guardian angel sort of prepared them uh, to have the visions of, of uh, Mary, to actually see her uh, when, when uh, she, she actually appeared to them. And during that time, uh, the angel prepared them by uh, essentially teaching them certain prayers, and we'll talk about that in, in a few moments as well. In fact, one of the prayers you probably actually know, and you just don't even realize it, that it has a connection to Fatima. And then in 1917 is when the uh, six apparitions of the Blessed Virgin began. The first one was on May 13th, 1917, and then the five successive months, which was for a total of, of six times the Blessed Virgin appeared to the children, all occurred on the 13th of month, except for one of them, and I believe that was in August, because the children are actually delayed uh, by local authorities from, from going and seeing the visions. Uh, the visions all culminated on October 17th, and this is or October 13th of 1917, and this is what most people probably are aware of, and that was the great miracle of Fatima, and that's the miracle of the sun. And in that particular moment, uh, the, the sun, as, as people, the sun actually danced in the sky, spun around like a pinwheel and did for, so for several minutes. And this wasn't just witnessed by these three children. It was witnessed by a... Um, well, a crowd of almost 70,000 people. So this is not something that was a, a small miracle. It was greatly witnessed. In fact, local newspapers, regional newspapers actually reported upon it. If you do a little looking online, you'll see some of the images from those as a headline. And so this was widely reported and, and people actually witnessed it. So during this great miracle, uh, not only did the sun move and, and dance, but it also came crashing down to look like it was going to crash into the earth, but it didn't, and then lifted back up into the sky to its normal place. And this all happened after a, a you know, terrific rainstorm or mm -hmm. in the midst of a, of a rainstorm. So if you've seen the movie, you saw all the rain and, and that sort of thing, and you saw the, uh, as Hollywood has portrayed, the dancing of the sun. But after that happened, everybody was miraculously dry. People actually were healed. And so it was a, it was a very great miracle to confirm uh, to the people that, yes, indeed, what the children had been seeing and what they had been speaking of was, in fact, true. And so that's where it all culminates at. But there, there are a lot of different messages in Fatima that are extraordinarily important for us today. And, and those are the things that 
I think I'd like to talk about. That's wonderful. We'll, we'll get back to that in just a minute. I, I, I love that you covered that because I actually just talked about this in my classes I teach over at TMP, and I just talked about this yesterday because, um, uh, you know, there are some people that like to um, kind of kick things off as mass hallucinations and things like this, and this is one of those things that you just can't because, as you said, there were skeptics there, there were newspaper people there, and there were over 70,000 people. And, and I think I've even read reports of people up to 40 miles away who didn't come to the site Yes. Who also saw this. And, and so, yeah, it, it's a huge problem because it was all these people at once who, okay, no, this really happened. It was a, it was a true phenomenon. It was a true mi miracle. I mean, so um, it, it really happened to show, okay, yeah, these children weren't just saying things. This is a true miracle that really happened that people can't just deny you can't just oh yeah a few people just happened to you know maybe see something and no this really happened this is this is the real deal there's no doubt about that and and as i said it's, i think the message to today is still extraordinarily important and and that's something that should be um, well, broadcast, uh, to, to use the word, I guess, for the day here. Yes. Uh, since we are in a radio station, it needs to be broadcast. <laughs> People need to hear about this and then to, and to in fact, do what their, their mother, Mary, has asked them to do. Wonderful. So we have Tony Gable with us today. He is talking about Fatima. It, it is an, an absolutely um, an amazing thing that happened here in uh, 1917 that's correct somewhere all right fantastic he's already uh, gained us some wisdom this morning um, you are on i don't know about wisdom yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think a good place to start here is okay. perhaps looking at uh, or at least listening to part of the secret of fatima so people have talked about uh, the three secrets of fatima actually it's one secret that the children are told and there are three parts to it and there is, of course, some controversy around the, the third secret or the third part of the secret. But I want to focus on the first two in, in, for, for us uh, because there are, there's important parts to that. The third one is a bit more sensational, but the first two, I think, are, are extraordinarily important for, for you and me. I mean, rank-and-file Catholics, uh, along with our parish priests, that we should be paying attention to. So that way we can, as I say, do what our mother has asked us to do. And so I'm going to read a, a, a longish piece. I hope that isn't... A, isn't a, no, sure. Is, okay, I was going to say, if that's not verboten or anything. But it comes <laughs> no. from uh, the book uh, Fatima and Lucia's Own Words. And uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the diary that you would have of Sister Faustina uh, with the Divine Mercy. Uh, and so this one is, is sort of her own commentary about what happened at Fatima. So Lucia is one of the girls right. who had one so, of the visions. That's right. So you had, you had uh, Jacinta, who was the youngest, mm -hmm. and, and then Francisco, her brother. So Jacinta and Francisco were brother and sister. And Lucia was their cousin, okay. so they all obviously lived in this village of Fatima. And uh, at the point in time when they had these visions, when they saw the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, they were all of seven, nine, and ten years old. So we're talking about children, and and uh, some pretty big, hefty things are being revealed to them. And, uh, and and so that's always an interesting thing to me when you think about children and what they say and, and the truths that they can speak, but here especially that the Blessed Virgin has chosen children to, to announce this message to the world. So this is coming from her diary that she wrote in, in the 1940s. And, and so I'll, I'll start it with this. So this is a full quote, and, and then we'll, we'll pause and kind of go back and look at different pieces of okay. this. All right. So 
quote, this will entail my speaking about the secret and thus answering the first question. So she's writing this uh, letter to, uh, to the bishop at the time. So it was uh, to the bishop of Liria and Fatima. So this is a letter from August 31st of 1941. So this is some time after the, uh, the visions themselves. So what is the secret, she continues. It seems to me that I can reveal it since I already have permission from heaven to do so. God's representatives on earth have authorized me to do this several times and in various letters, one of which I believe is in your keeping. This letter is from Father Jose Bernardo, and it, in it he advises me to write to the Holy Father, suggesting among other things that I should reveal the secret. I did say something about it, but in order not to make my letter too long, since I was told to keep it short, I confined myself to the essentials, leaving it to God to provide another more favorable opportunity. In my second account, I've already described in detail the doubt which tormented me from the 13th of June till 13th of July and how it disappeared completely during the apparition on that day. And she did have subsequent apparitions after this and during her lifetime. So, uh, well, the secret is made up of three distinct parts, two of which I am now going to reveal. The first part is the vision of hell. So when you pause here and just think about this, this is a vision that the children of ages 7, 9, and 10 got to see. So they were shown the vision of hell. Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks in a huge fire, without weight or equilibrium, and amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could be distinguished by their terrifying and repulsive likeness to frightful and unknown animals, all black and transparent. This vision lasted but an instant. How can we ever be grateful enough to our, kindly, our kind Heavenly Mother, who had already prepared us by promising in the first apparition to take us to heaven. Otherwise, I think we would have died of fear and terror. We then looked up, to our, up at Our Lady, who said to us so kindly and so sadly, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. So we'll pause right there. And so we see in here a, a vision that is given to the children of hell and this statement that this is where poor sinners go. And then the statement of, look, I am going to tell you how you can help save these poor souls. How can we help people not go to hell? Mm -hmm. So she's going to describe this to them. And that's really the piece I want to focus on here today is, is that how do we help in that process? Because this isn't just a message to these three children. It's to us as well. Yeah. So she continues. This is, this is uh, the Blessed Virgin speaking now, as quoted uh, by Sister Lucia. The war is going to end, and the war they're referring to here is World War I. This is 1917, remember. So the yep. war is going to end. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pius XI. And, of course, during the pontificate of Pius XI, war did start. It was World War II. And so clearly we did not listen to the message as we should have in order to avoid that. When you see a night illumined by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given you by God that he's about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart 
and the communion of reparation on the, on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. Now notice, if we, if we listen to our mother, uh-huh. this is what's going to happen. If my requests, okay, so if not, so this is a conditional. I'm looking at from a, from just a simple, either a logical mind or even a legal mind. It's an if then. I mean, it's an if or. If not, she will spread her errors, referring to Russia, throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and shall be converted. And a period of peace will be granted to the world. So, when you look at this, um, you know there's there's a huge consequence if we don't follow what's happened. Yeah. But there's the assurance at the end. There is the assurance at the end that my immaculate heart will triumph, and the Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she will be converted, and a period of peace will and then be be had. So it's it's a it's a big piece there. There's a lot to unpack yeah. in this in this, you know, two or three paragraphs that I just read. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, so let's go back over that timeline a little bit. And, okay. And so in 1916, we had uh, the angel of Portugal, the guardian angel of Portugal, appeared to the children to prepare them for the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, from May 13th of 1917 through October 13th of 1917, there were a total of six visions, six times that the Blessed Virgin visited with the children. And uh, in July 13th, that's when she gave them the secret. That was the month of July when she did that. And then, of course, uh, everything culminated with the great miracle on October 13th of 1917. Now, as we, as I mentioned earlier, the visions for um, Sister Lucia, they kept occurring uh, after that. And so there were a couple additional, uh, actually several additional visions that she had uh, after the main ones that occurred in, in 1917. And you have to understand, uh, Jacinta and Francisco, uh, they died shortly after these, uh, after these visions were completed in 1917. So she was uh, told that she was going to live longer than they were, and it was her primary task to start this uh, devotion and to spread the word of, of the, the Five Saturdays devotion. Um, so the main one that we have to think about is, is December twelfth of or December tenth of nineteen twenty five, and this in this particular vision is revealed. In fact, the the five first Saturdays devotion, what it actually entails, and so let's go and, and look at that for just a moment, and so we'll we'll get into that. So, okay, what was great. asked at that point in time? And uh, I've got several different sources. This is kind of an interesting source. Uh, it's an older. Uh, prayer book, an older devotional prayer book uh, that my mother had, in fact. So it's from 1950. It's a little bit older. But in here, they, they talk about Fatima and also uh, First Friday devotions as well, something else that we should be keeping in mind. But on December 10th in 1925, the Blessed Virgin appeared to uh, Sister Lucia, and this is what she said. See, my daughter, how my heart is encircled by thorns which ungrateful men pierce me at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. So this is where we actually get the, 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 to see the, the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's, she actually shows it to, to uh, Sister Lucia, and it's encircled by, by thorns. And we've seen images like that mm-hmm. you know, in, in various, perhaps in our homes, certainly at churches, where we have images of that. And so here's a heart, the heart of, of, of Mary, our mother, and it's encircled with thorns. And she says, these are piercing her because of people with their blasphemies and ingratitude. So she continues, you at least, referring to Sister Lucia, try to console me and announce that I promise to assist. 
And so she asked her, announce that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months confess, receive Holy Communion, recite part of my rosary, and keep me company for a quarter of an hour, meditating on its mysteries with the intention of offering me reparation. So in that one little sentence, we have a lot to unpack there too. I mean, we, it, these are all dense, these messages, and so we can see what's happening here. First of all, there's a great promise associated with, with you know, fulfilling this devotion. And we won't even look at the particulars of the devotion. I want to focus a little bit on what the promise is. Uh-huh. And that is, I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation. So just imagine at the moment that uh, you're about to die, you know, that hour of death, whatever that hour might be. For those who complete this, the Blessed Virgin has promised that she will assist us with the graces necessary for salvation. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about um, what, uh, what we might you know, encounter at the moment of death. I'll let some of our, our wonderful pastors talk about those <laughs> sorts of things. But you know, that's going to be a tough time for all of us, I yeah. think, that, that moment of transition from this life into the next. And to be assisted by graces from the Blessed Virgin Mary is just astounding when you think about it. There's, there's, there's a lot there that is available to us. And, and we will need some of that. Uh, in fact, we'll need all of the help we can get at that point in time. Prayers from those who are with us, uh, prayers for those from those who love us, and, and certainly prayers from the Blessed Virgin Mary, her intercession at this point in time. Yeah, one could imagine that um, if, uh, you know, um, don't do it for too long because you don't want to, but um, if you were Satan, uh, if you were the enemy, you would want to double your attacks right at the moment of death because that that's your last-ditch effort to try and get that soul. And then if you think, if you are, your, if you're the Heavenly Mother, of course you're going to want to be with your children at that moment. And Absolutely. So, Definitely. Um, of course, you are going to want to usher your children to our Heavenly Father and to your Most Holy Son. And, and so, yeah, exactly. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think you have to. Message. Yeah, I think you have to really think about that because that's true. The, I mean, if we set everything aside, if we, we strip everything from this, from this earth, from everything that we have around us, and ask the essential question what's the most valuable thing that you have in your possession? It's your immortal soul. soul. Yeah, that's the only thing that that matters. That's exactly. that's the only thing of true value that any of us have. That is, has been given to us, and that we hope to return. Uh, you know that that we hope it. We we take that with us to heaven. I mean, yeah. I mean that's what we want. Um, uh, to and so that's what we have to focus on. And yeah, at that moment of death, yeah, there's there's a battle going on. There exactly. is a battle for that very very valuable thing. Uh, our soul, and, and anything we can do to assist us at that moment. I, I think it's prudent that we do. And I think that's why the church, you know, the Holy Mother of the Church, has in, in her generosity and her care for, for her children, has uh, you know, promulgated many different devotions, many different prayers, and, and has, has tried to guide us as best she can to help us, not only through life, but certainly at that moment of death. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from Tony Gable on Fatima, the messages, promises, and First Saturday devotions. One body, God's creation. Hey 
we're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. One body. Fatima, the messages, promises, and first Saturday devotions. One body. One body. With Tony Gable. One body. And here's Tony. So let's go ahead and take a look at those those requirements. I think most people are are wondering about that because when I yeah. first learned about the devotion from my mother, uh, the the emphasis was on five first Saturdays, you know, five consecutive first Saturdays mm-hmm. that, that you would attend mass. And as simple as that sounds, uh, you know, I've I've completed it and and I'm working on another round of five first Saturdays. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you only need to complete it once. I mean, that's all it's asked here, but. I think it's important to understand that you do as many of these as you can because it's not just for your own soul, but you're also praying for for other souls as well. Yeah, it's not uh, just like a it's not a checklist like oh yeah, I got that done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you don't want to look at too much of a checklist, but there is there are some things that are required to to sort of and all these things. I mean, these different things draw us ever so much closer uh, to to Mary and ultimately, as we say, to Jesus through Mary. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, we we. We are drawn to Jesus because of our devotion to Mary. Exactly. And so these are the sorts of things, if you look at them, all bring us closer. So let's see, see the first one. First okay. five first Saturday masses. Wonderful. So that's the first thing you have to do. Sounds really easy to do, but in our time and place in this life right now with busyness and all sorts of things to go to, whether it's uh, sports activities or recreational activities, and certainly Saturday and Sunday people focus on that. That's good. Yeah. That first Saturday – Setting time aside to go to Mass is actually a little bit tricky. No uh, so fortunately here in Hayes, we have, at least that I'm aware of, and I, I, I'm not sure about St. Nick's Parish, but I know at, at uh, St. Joseph's and Immaculate Heart, especially at Immaculate Heart, we have 8 a.m. Mass. Yeah. So you, you go and attend Mass. You, 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 are, you participate in Mass. So that's the first thing. And, and of that, then, the second part here is, is that you receive Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. And so obviously if you're going to Mass on that first Saturday – uh, if you're in the state of grace, you receive Holy Communion. So you yeah. now have two of these things done. The third thing is is that you probably should do before going to Mass and receiving Holy Communion, as any prudent Catholic would, is to go to confession. And so if you're looking already at this, so you're going to Mass, going to confession, going to communion, in those three pieces, who are you meeting through essentially Mary's asking you to do it. You're meeting Christ. You're meeting God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're meeting, you're meeting Jesus very personally in the confessional. I mean, how wonderful is that? And so you yeah. are you reconciling yourself with Christ. And then at the next moment, perhaps the next day, you're going and, and receiving it intimately into you, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity through, through communion. So, so when Mary is asking this, she is drawing us closer to Christ in this process. Yeah. Very close to him. Okay, so so we have confession and receive Holy Communion. Then uh, you need to, of course, receive, uh, excuse me, you need to uh, recite part of my rosary. And you see that part of my rosary. What does that mean? Well, a rosary traditionally, and we have to look back. This is, this is back in, you know, 1917. Uh, a rosary was understood to be you know, the whole all thing. fifteen <laughs> mysteries, and I keep I keep the you know, focus on the fifteen here because then it's understood that the 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 part of the rosary, the the word that is used is terse, which is a third, 
And so it's. You know, I know we have twenty mysteries now, but you really Before can't Pope di- John Paul. right. You, you you can't really divide twenty evenly by three. So when you <laughs> yeah. look at that, you're looking at uh, you know a set of one of the mysteries, uh-huh. one set of the mysteries. So you're looking at what we consider now a rosary. So you pray five of the mysteries of the rosary. It doesn't tell us which one, uh, which set of the mysteries, mm-hmm. but you know a part of my rosary. And then on top of that, to keep the Blessed Virgin company for a quarter of an hour. Uh, by meditating on the mystery. So this is separate from the rosary. So you say your rosary, and then you can, and, and Sister Lucie in this book has talked about how she would do that. Well, she would actually just pick one mystery and spend 15 minutes just in contemplation about that, meditating about that. Uh, you can do it on all 15, all 20, just one set of the mysteries. But the idea is to meditate upon that. Because when you meditate upon these mysteries, just pick any one of them and ask yourself, you know, place yourself in the presence as if, as if Mary herself were there witnessing this. What, what does she see? And, and, and you can draw so much from that. I mean, just think about the Annunciation as, as one of those mysteries and how much richness there is, is just within that mystery and how you can look at that and, and, and see it very deeply. And 15 minutes goes by very, very quickly. It sounds like a yeah. lot, but it really goes by very, very quickly. So those are the things you need to do. As every, you know, for five first Saturdays, five consecutive ones. And it can be done. And all this, by the way, I've got to put this in the background. In the background, the intention is when you go to confession, you offer that up. When you go to communion, you offer that up. When you do the rosary, you offer it up. When, when you spend time meditating upon this, you offer it up in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences which have wounded the blessed uh, Blessed Virgin Mary's heart, her immaculate heart. That's what you're offering up for, to make reparation for those. I mean, she says it in order, you know, God has established this. This is, this is established to make reparations to my immaculate heart. And when you think about that and drawing closer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, drawing yourself closer to Jesus in the process, it's, it's very beautiful, very, very wow. beautiful. Um, and it's, as I said, it's, it's a little bit difficult to do. I mean, yeah. five first Saturdays, it's, it's not easy. And the, the question, of course, is, is, well, is it okay if I go to, to Mass on, on Saturday night uh, when, <laughs> when it's for Sunday? And there, there is some disagreement among different people about that. But again, I, I try to go very simply here, go back to 1917. And at that point in time, or even 1925 when this was described, uh, there wasn't a a mass in anticipation of Sunday, is my yeah. understanding. I mean, there was a separate Saturday mass, and so that would be the, you know, certainly encourage people to do that sort of thing is to go take that moment, that separate mass, just for this purpose. Yeah, yeah, and I, w- I would say, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're trying to find a loophole, <laughs> you're probably not. You're probably trying to make it more of a checklist than more of a. I want right. to become closer to Jesus and Mary. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of funny that way. It, it, so, it, it, that's always the temptation, right? Yeah. Is how do you how do you do this and 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 make it not as burdensome as as you think it is? It really isn't burdensome. Uh, it's more of uh, the frustration with setting the time aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are very busy people for whatever yeah. reason, and so it's a matter of of prioritizing this and setting it aside. What we're being asked is not burdensome. Yeah. What we're being asked is dedicating some time to give back to God, making that sacrifice of our time. After all, we're, we're supposed to be good stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. Mm-hmm. Well, this is stewardship of that time. Yeah. 
and 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 that is in itself difficult. But here's even as you say that, here's a story, and I tell a lot of stories, and um, I hope that they're all true. <laughs> and even if this one isn't, it makes a good point. Um, I, I think this was um, – I heard this of Mother Teresa, and I was told that um, her um, – her sisters came to her and they said, we don't have enough time to do everything that you ask us in a day. And she goes, oh, one more hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And they said, uh, Mother, I don't think you heard us correctly. We said we don't have enough time to do everything you need us to do. And she said, oh, yes, one more hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. <laughs> and they said, okay. And so they went and did it, and they said all of a sudden they found that they had plenty of time to do everything that they didn't have time to do before. You know, and I think that's kind of the point that you're making is, yes, we, we have so such busy schedules, yet when it comes to something like this, if we would make time to do things like this, God will bless us with the, that time. He, he, it won't become such a burden it will become a blessed time for us, and so yeah. It, and you know, I'm, I give a shout out here to Father Kevin Weber uh, when he was pastor here at Immaculate Heart. Uh, when when my wife and I first started attending the parish here, when we moved back to Hayes, uh, one of his homilies he was talking about um, uh, the Book of Malachi, and in there there is a challenge. One of the few times I think. As he phrased it, and I may be misquoting him here, so Father, forgive me uh, <laughs> if I misquote you. But the comment was something to this effect: that this is one, if not the only place, one of the very few places that you find where God actually says, "Go ahead and challenge me." You know, see if you can outdo me in blessings. Oh, yeah. So if you think you're tithing, see if you if you think you're doing so much, I can outdo you in blessings. And I forget uh -huh. the exact passage. And I went to read that. And, it, it, of course, this idea of, of bring in your tithe to me, bring in your gifts to me. Yeah. And, and if you think that I can't bless you more because of that, you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. And so I took that challenge, um, and, and I did it with time. Because we all say, well, how much time do we need to spend in prayer? And, and just what you're saying about uh, Mother Teresa. And I found also that um, the more time I had spent in prayer, I, I found that I had more time to do some things. And yeah. it's, it's really interesting. This is the other shout-out to Father Fred, because he would tell you, oh, that's what we call divine providence. And, and it's true. I mean, when we rely upon, when we trust in God, when we trust in what he has said in his word, we are blessed. We yeah. truly are. He blesses us in ways we might not see immediately, but certainly does so. So I mentioned earlier on that uh, there were some prayers, and one of them that you are probably familiar with. And so... These are yes. various prayers that are associated with it, and, and um, some which Our Lady taught to the children, and uh, some which the angel of, of Portugal, the guardian angel of Portugal, taught them. And so let's go with the one that you're familiar with. And uh, if you say the rosary and you say it devoutly, you know that at the end of each decade, there is one little prayer tacked on after, after the glory be, right? Yep. Can you say it? Yep. Oh, my Jesus. Forgive, forgive us, us our sins. sins. Save us Let's from the fires of hell. Lead all, lead all souls, souls to heaven, heaven especially those in most need of thy mercy. mercy. That's right. That is uh, one that was taught to them on July 13th in 1917. So if you're wondering where that prayer came from, and, and you may have grown up reciting the rosary and hearing that attached to it, uh, you, you might not know its origin. But that I'm is where it convert, came from. But oh. 
Yeah. Are you so, really? Okay. Yes. So, well, very good then. Well, welcome to the church. Welcome <laughs> yeah, home. Thank you. And uh, so from that standpoint, uh, you, you probably didn't know the origin of it. I, I didn't, but I learned it. And so that's why I actually, so yeah, even teaching to the kids, mm-hmm. I, I try to teach them when we say the rosary, I'm like, okay, so this is the Fatima prayer. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. So. I mean, and that's part of that. Uh, so you're carrying on that, that, uh, that request of Our Lady. Uh, yeah. Through Sister Lucia to to transmit this to encourage people to participate in in this in this wonderful message this wonderful request of us for this devotion, so that's one of them. Uh, the second one is is uh, of, uh, Our Lady said say many times and especially when you make any sacrifices. That's one of the things that she asked of the children is to make sacrifices for poor souls. And and, and I'll just pause here for a moment before I say the prayer. Uh, is that there is this emphasis to the, the three children that what they're doing is not only uh, for themselves, but most importantly, to save the souls of poor sinners, uh, to make reparations and to, and to make sacrifices for them. Because Our Lady, in that vision, uh, when in July 13th, showed them hell, she said, this is where the souls of poor sinners go. And later on, ex- you know, explained that many go, to hell. Many souls are lost to hell because there's no one to pray for them. And how sad is that? Yeah. There's no one to pray for them. And so anytime we are actually saying that prayer at the end of that rosary, at that decade of rosary, we're praying for poor souls. I mean, it's right there if you pay attention to it. We're praying for these poor souls, those who have most need of thy mercy. And so this is extraordinarily important. So she asked them, look, if you're making sacrifices for poor souls, whatever it might be, and we can do that in our daily life. I mean, there are times when we're doing some tasks that we really don't want to do. Uh, maybe we have a headache, uh, got a knee ache. I've got a, I've got a, a sort of a bad knee from from many years ago, and, and so when when there's extra pain there as I'm going up steps at, at the university, you know, I, I try to offer that up, and I wish I could memorize this prayer so it's real readily on my tongue, and I haven't done that yet. But it's, oh Jesus, it is for your love, for the conversion of sinners and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's a very short prayer, and I don't think you have to get the words exactly right, yeah. but if your intention is there for that, to make reparations for, for the sins that, uh, committed against the Immaculate Heart, that's what's important, and you're doing it for, for the sinners, for their conversion, yeah. and that is, that's important. But then there's, there are two more prayers. Uh, these are from the, uh, the, the guardian angel of Portugal, and so one of the first ones he taught them was to say this, uh, my, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Again, one is here praying and, and saying, I believe, I adore, I love, and I hope you, or, I hope in you, uh, hope and love for you. Uh, but then you're asking pardon for those who don't. You're praying once again for poor sinners and the conversion of, of, of souls. And you know that's that's the greatest thing we can do. Such a beautiful prayer. Yeah, and it's it, it really is. It, it it's it's a very short prayer. Yeah. And and it, all this again, as you look at the prayers, and the last one I'll read. It's a little longer, but it's all focused on the salvation of souls, and and that is what our blessed mother wants, because obviously that's what that's what her son wants. That's yeah. what he came to 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 us, came to earth, and died for us for, was for our opportunity at eternal life. And so this is the last one. In this one, the angel taught this prayer, which they recited. The children recited on their knees with their foreheads touching the ground. 
So this is a very reverential prayer. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences with which he is offended. And by the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and of the immaculate heart of Mary, I ask you for the conversion of poor sinners. So this kind of is a nice follow-up to what Father Fred was talking about, the real presence, right? And so here this is recognizing that not only is the real presence there always with us. I mean, Jesus is fulfilling his promise that he gave to his disciples. I'll be always with you. I mean, he's always with us right there in the tabernacle, Yeah. right there for us. So he's always there. But this is not only recognizing that, but then asking, asking again for the conversion of poor sinners, looking out for other people. And so that's, that's extraordinarily important. I think that's perhaps the, you know, the, the most important aspect of, of Fatima that's, that's so often overlooked is, is the focus on, on conversion and, and bringing sinners to, to, uh, to God. And all of us are sinners, and all of us are converting all the time. We may have had that one conversion in life to come back to the church, but every day we're converting. Every day we're drawing, hopefully, ourselves closer to God. Every time we have an obstacle in our path and we overcome it, whether it's a temptation or some other struggle we might have, it's a conversion to, to Christ. It's a drawing closer to, to his sacred heart. And when we're asking the Immaculate Heart of Mary to pray for us and, and draw us closer to him, uh, that's just wonderful. Again, you know, to, to Jesus through Mary. Yeah. As, as you say that, is so for me as a convert, you know, Mary was a huge hurdle for me. Oh, I have no doubt. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, she is. And that's, that's one thing that I think people have to come to an understanding, too, is Mary is always drawing people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so as you've gone through this today, I mean, it's, it's always such a, it's just such a calming and such a, um, one of the things that has always helped me is at the foot of the cross, you know, Christ says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. Um, and so I, I don't say this lightly. I've become a huge mama's boy. Uh-huh. Um, since, <laughs> since, since, That's fantastic. <laughs> since, since I've become Catholic. Yeah. Um, be, because it is um, one of those, when you, when you get the understanding of it as, um, no, you, you know, it, it's not... It's not a worship Mary thing. It is a, I take hold of my mother's hand because she's leading me to my son. It's like, oh my goodness, what have I been missing? It's such a beautiful and amazing message that you've been able to help us understand today about these, about the five. I, I, I'm just so happy you mentioned that, taking, taking her hand. I mean, that's one of the things when I, when, I, when I get a little distracted with the rosary, I try to remind myself that. You know, holding the rosary in my hand is is holding her hand yeah. in that process, and and that's that sort of makes it more tangible in a way. And and you're right, it's it's her leading us to him, and and people do say, well, you you pray to Mary. It's like no, we we pray, and 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 part of that is a prayer in the sense of a plea, as in please help me, yeah. and and please help me because after all, when you got in trouble at home, who did you go to to uh, calm things down before dad got to you. You went to mom, right? And so so mom is always the place to go to to start that process of, of reconciliation. And and she is there to help us. I mean, if it, we can pray directly to God, there's no doubt about that. And, no. and Jesus has said that. 
But sometimes, you know, mom knows how to go ahead and take those words and polish them up a little bit and, and present uh-huh. those to, to him on our behalf. And that's something wonderful. And, you know, uh-huh. Added to our voice. Think of a choir. Think of uh-huh. the communion of saints. Added to our voice and prayer and plea is, is all those saints that we ask to pray with us. And it's just <laughs> yep. a louder volume. It's wonderful. Um, I do have one other thing. Yes, please do, because we only have a few minutes left, okay. and I, I want you to impart this on, upon us. <laughs> it sounds like I'm doing something really great here. It is. Um, it, it's about to be. I guarantee it. I, I, I pray so. <laughs> um, so last little thing I want to comment about is the rosary itself. Yes. So the rosary, tough devotion. And, and devotions are fantastic, and and we all should have a devotion, something that will draw us closer to God, whether it's a devotion to the Immaculate Heart, whether it's a devotion through the Rosary, whether it's a devotion to a particular saint that we pray asking their intercession on our behalf and trying to imitate their life. Uh, devotions are ex- extraordinarily important. Yeah. Well, the Rosary itself is a devotion. It's tough because it takes time, and, and one could get distracted in, in saying it. But I want to encourage people to try to do that. And the encouragement I'm going to have here is, is from the Book of Indulgences. So the Handbook of Indulgences, Norms, and Grants, so the Apostolic Penitentiary from, from the Vatican has issued this. And you might see prayer cards on the back says indulgence of number of days. These are older, but in, in 19, I believe it's 67, they trimmed down all the indulgences. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of having days associated with them, which would be equivalent of days of penance, uh, not days of time off yeah. or purgatory. That's you got to make that distinction. Yeah. They made it very simple. So you either have a plenary indulgence or a, a partial indulgence. Yeah. And uh, to gain a plenary indulgence is fantastic because those of you who don't know about plenary indulgences and, and, and partial indulgences, indulgences in general essentially are, are making um, reparation for our sins and helping us essentially not have as much time in purgatory. And we say yeah. time, and there is no time, but yeah. to make that perhaps that rigorous time of cleaning a little less so, where we're making up for that, and a plenary is, is sort of wipes it all clean. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very beautiful gift from the, from the treasury of gifts that Holy Mother Church has for us. Guess what is, has a plenary indulgence attached to it? The five. The, the recitative. Well, well, not just, no, it's the, the rosary. Ah, the yeah. rosary. I mean, there's much more granted through the five first Saturdays, but the rosary itself has a plenary indulgence. And so uh, what you have to do is, is you have to uh, essentially – so this is, this is from the actual um, – uh, the handbook of indulgences from the apostolic penitentiary, the recitation of the Marian Rosary. It's number 48. A plenary indulgence is granted when the rosary is recited in a church or oratory or when it is recited in a family, hence you know, families who pray mm-hmm. together stay together, yep. a religious community or a pious association. Partial indulgence is granted for its recitation to all other circumstances. Now, there is requirements for the plenary indulgence, but the idea is, is that reciting the rosary in church, if you are in a state of grace, um, so let me go over those real quick here, real quick, and you do what, you, what is necessary, you could potentially gain a plenary indulgence, which is tremendous. So uh, what is required for a plenary indulgence? Um, it can only be gained in once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see here. So, prescribed work for a plenary indulgence okay, is atta- attached to a church oratory devout visit there, which includes partial recitation of the Lord's Prayer. Okay, here we go. Besides the exclusion of all attachment to sin, even venial sin, that's where it gets tough, right? Yeah. This is why confession and going to communion and then doing this so quickly after would be a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Um, the requirements of getting plenary indulgence are the performance of the indulgence work, fulfillment of three conditions, sacramental confession, Eucharistic communion, and a prayer for the Pope's intentions. Yep. 
And the typical prayer for the Pope's intentions, and our Father, hail Mary and glory be. Yep. But sacramental confession and reception of communion. So when you put those together, what's happening? Again, just like what we saw with the, the Five First Saturdays devotion, you're being drawn ever closer. So uh, that's the goal. That's the goal. In fact, that's the source. I mean, that's the summit of, of even canon law. There's a little last little blurb in canon law is, is the ultimate goal of the Catholic Church is the salvation of souls. That is awesome. Tony, it has been so good being here with you today. Thank you so much Thank for, you. for teaching us a little bit about uh, the uh, Five First Saturdays devotions for Fatima itself. Like I said, you know, it'd be nice to have a two-hour slot for everybody. I wish we could do that. Um, you know, keep praying for me. I'll pray for you. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. We, 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 we're all on this journey together. Um, pray for this radio station. Thank you very much uh, for your help. Thank you for your time coming in today. Certainly we welcome, and, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, this has been wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. And folks, eternity is not seen. Neither are these airwaves. So if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body, stewarding God's creation.